What if I told you for $1, I would introduce you to many different entrepreneurs this week. From all across the country, you'll be able to talk to many different entrepreneurs and I'll coach you for $1 this whole week. And I'll introduce you to my successful friends for a dollar this week. Would you take part of that? Well, go to morningmindsetcoffee.com because that's exactly what we're doing here. It's the only organization that gathers entrepreneurs for the betterment of entrepreneurship every single day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern. We get together, we're growing, we're learning, we're leveling up, we're building on our network, we're building on our net worth, we're earning, we're reading. We got a book club. You'll see a bunch of entrepreneurs coming together, reading the same books every single day, growing together. You need that environment to grow. MorningMindsetCoffee.com. One dollar. I'm going to give you all of this for one dollar. If you want to stay, great. It's $50 a month after that. But right now, we're still running a seasonal promotion where I think the price is somewhere around $25. So get it before the price changes again. If not, no obligation. You can leave whenever you want. All right? MorningMindsetCoffee.com. I'll see you in the morning. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson. And today, my guest is the former CEO of the legendary Lee Steinberg Sports Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. He's also the co-founder and CEO of Sports One, which is one of the most notable sports and entertainment agencies in the world. He started with nothing and became a millionaire just nine months out of high school. Oh, sorry, out of law school and a multimillionaire by the time he was 32. And then he went broke going through his own personal valley of death, which on the other side, he found and made his fortune back. And now he's an extremely successful serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and philanthropist. Since his personal rebirth, he's written three best-selling books on the topic of personal and business success connected to goodness, compassionate, compassionate compassionate capitalism and game time decision-making. He also shares his principles on his business podcast, The Playbook, which releases new episodes daily. One of the principles is be interested and not interesting. This causes him to constantly be observing everyone and everything for the purpose of understanding how he can add value to every situation. Everything he and his business partner, Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, are a part of has a charitable component to it, which has led to even more stratospheric success to them and their companies. His passionate desire to help others unlock their potentials has led him to being named the chairman of the Unstoppable Foundation, Marshall Goldsmith's top 100 business coaches in the world, and Forbes' top 10 keynote speakers. His life mission is to empower over 1 billion people to keep and make themselves happy. And he plans to do this through his business model of make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have fun while doing it. And this is probably the longest resume of an individual I've had on the show ever. So forgive me for missing a few things, but it's my honor to welcome to the show, David Meltzer. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Marlon. Thank you so much. And it's so funny you said that I was going to say this may be one of the best introductions I've ever heard. You know, Tom Bilyeu's known for his extraordinary introductions. And I always take the ones that I love and make sure I get a recording of it because you did such an exceptional job of hopefully building some sort of perspective on how and why you get to a a certain place in your life in order to be bold enough to empower over a billion people to be happy and have actually a plan to do so. So thanks for that terrific introduction. What a pleasure it is to be here. I'm looking for a thousand people like you, and I think I'm happy to be here because I think I found another one of my thousands. 
Oh my gosh, that means so much. Well, I'm excited to have you on here because you have done some absolutely amazing things. You've had some, you've been on some amazing podcasts. I've listened to your episode on Impact Theory with Tom. I've listened to you on Ed Milet. I actually came across you the very first time at the Thrive event back in 2020. And you were on the stage when the, the mission was Make Money Matter. And oh my gosh, like you resonated with me so much so that since then you've been on my radar. So for the audience who maybe doesn't yet know you and maybe they have not yet listened to an episode, can you describe to them essentially your humble beginnings and essentially your childhood that brought you to this point? Yeah, I like to say I grew up in a world of not enough. I had a single mom. My dad left when I was five. She raised six of us, five boys and one girl, uh, you know, literally working two jobs, uh, second grade teacher, Sunday school teacher, but packed our dinner in a paper bag and drove us around Akron, Ohio in a country squire station wagon, filling up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. And my mom's motto was to empower her children, empower her children through education. She wasn't money oriented like me. She lived in the world of not enough. Everything happened to us. She was a victim. You know, she had no energetic or genetic alignment with being abundant or making a lot of money. But I had a different vision for me and my mom. I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. And I knew I was going to be capable if I stayed and enjoyed the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of my economic potential, that it wouldn't just be a matter of time till I could buy my mom that house and a car. And I thought if I could do that, everything in my life would be perfect. I I love that. Right. So essentially you wanted to get mom a car. You wanted to be able to change everything. And, you know, through your journey, you really did encounter, I would say, a lot of pitfalls, right? You, it wasn't just, you know, easy, essentially, right? What I want to ask you is basically, what was it like, right? Because I, I, here's what I'm going to say. It's easy for us to go back and like, I want other people to go and listen to the episode you did with Impact Theory. I want them to hear the whole deep story, right? What I want to dive into you into with you is, when you were going through the process of wanting to earn enough money to take care of mom, to take care of your family, you accomplished that goal, right? You made a lot, you made the millions out of law school, and then you hit a point where you went to rock bottom, right? What was life like in that moment, in the place where you had already accumulated what others would call success? You had it all, you had what most people dream of, and you were just living in a moment where it wasn't fulfilling. What was that like in that space? Yeah. So that's the world of just enough. And it's an evolutionary world where, you know, your mindset shifts from, you know, money buys love and happiness to I'm unhappy. And there are several red flags that I'd love to share in the world of just enough. Uh, when I talk about the world of just enough, you left the world of being a victim. Uh, mm-hmm. I always say things don't happen to you anymore. You are arrogant and philanthropic at the same time. You think everything happens for you. Uh, So you'll give a lot to receive a lot. There's always an expectation, a quid pro quo, a trade, a negotiation. It's still a scarce world and it will bleed you of your emotional energy uh, when you live in a world of not enough or just enough. But the world of just enough is a very dangerous world. You'll see a lot of successful people unaware uh, of this world of just enough. They buy things when they're not happy. They buy things they don't need when they're not happy. They buy more things when they're not happy. 
They buy different things when they're not happy. They buy things to impress people all the time. They buy things to impress people they don't even like. And this was the world. It evolved from a very grateful, forgiving, accountable, and inspired entrepreneur who made over a million dollars nine months out of law school, became a multimillionaire, uh, you know, out of, out before he was 32, as you suggest. But that transition went from, you know, I money was affirmed to buy love and happiness. Well, here's the three things that happened uh, that made me recognize uh, as I hit rock bottom. One, when I was 30 years old, I had everything I ever dreamed of. I made more money than I ever dreamed of. I had houses, cars, ski mountain, golf course. I even married my dream girl from the fourth grade. Uh, the girl that in sixth grade camp, my best friend, Rob, asked her to go steady at sixth grade camp for me. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And he screamed out and embarrassed me. Dude, she rejected you. So I threw an egg at her. I threw rocks at her. I asked her why her friends were prettier than her. So this girl in the sixth grade who I loved hated me. I ended up marrying her. Uh, I had everything. I was healthy, wealthy, worthy, and wise in my mind. And I had no worries at all. But at 30 years old, on my birthday, married to my dream girl with multi-millions of dollars, my father was the first one to throw up the red flag to say, be careful. You're not where you think you are. The arrogance will take over. There's another world waiting for you. And so my dad gave me a birthday present after 20 years. He gave me a jacket. And this jacket had no pockets. Uh, and I was so upset with my father. I called him. I said, why are you punishing, man? Are you that jealous of me that you can't rejoice in my success? You weren't there for me. Now you give me some jacket to make a point. Why are you punishing me? He said, son, I'm not punishing you. I'm worried about you. You think money buys love and happiness. You're just like me. I don't want you to be the richest man in the cemetery. I gave you this jacket with no pockets to hang in your closet to remind you every day that you can't take it with you when you're gone, to remind you that I should be buried in that jacket because it has no pockets. You're just like me, son. Money does not buy love or happiness. I wasn't ready at 30 years old for that warning, for that red flag. I said, dad, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a manipulator an overseller, a back-end seller. I'm nothing like you. I hate you. And I hung up. Six years later, when I was 36 years old, I went from running Samsung's phone division as CEO of the first smartphone, a Windows CE device, working in the Silicon Valley, building my brand and reputation as a technology leader. I end up running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, as you suggested. Met Warren Moon there, my later business partner. But... I was the CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. They made the movie Jerry Maguire about our firm. I not only was a multimillionaire, but I had access to everything, even things that billionaires couldn't afford to buy. I had sideline seats at the Super Bowl. I had whatever I wanted. And at that time, six years after my first warning, I realized I wasn't happy, but I didn't admit it to anyone. Instead, I invited my best friend, Rob. Yep, the same guy that asked my wife to go steady at sixth grade camp. One of my oldest and best friends in the world. I asked him to go to the Masters with me because I knew he loved golf and he had dreamed 
of going to the masters. And once again, everything in my life was quid pro quo. Money bought love and happiness. So if I wanted love from my best friend, I was going to take him to the masters on a private jet, take him back uh, of the cabins with Curtis Strange, take him to the net jet party with uh, Joe Montana and Wayne Gretzky or whoever else may be there. And I asked Rob, I said, Rob, I'd love to take you and host you at the Masters for thanking you for being such a good friend. And he looked at me and he said, I'm not going. I said, what are you talking about? You're not going, Rob. He said, Dave, I don't like what you're doing and I don't like what you, you, who you're hanging out with. I'm really worried about you. I wasn't ready to hear that from my best friend. I said, what are you talking about? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not hanging out with the wrong people. He said, David, you can lie to me all you want. Stop lying to yourself. You're going to end up in a bad place and I don't want to be around it. Told him to F off. Told him he wasn't my real friend. I told him I hated him. And I went away crying, thinking to myself, how dare he talk to me that way? I offered him the greatest gift I could have ever offered him. He's going to treat me this way. And then two weeks later, I hit rock bottom. Not rock bottom financially. That would occur two years later when I lost over $100 million and went bankrupt. But two weeks later, I hit rock bottom when I asked my wife if I could go to the Grammy Awards with a rapper named Little John. And my wife told me she did not want me to go, that I wasn't paying attention to the family. I wasn't paying attention to my work. And I definitely wasn't paying attention to my health, that she was afraid that I was partying way too much and that I was going to end up in a bad place. So I lied to her, told her I had a business meeting, ended up going to the Grammy Awards, partying way too hard, coming home. And at 530 in the morning, my wife would change my life. She told me she wasn't happy. She told me that I'd better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become or I was going to end up dead. And she wanted nothing to do with it. So she was leaving. I looked at her and I said, are you kidding me? Who do you think you're talking to? Look around you. Who do you think did all this? And you're going to talk to me that way? How dare you? I hate you. F you. And I went into my bedroom. When I woke up the next day, I was even more upset. I was so upset with her. I couldn't believe it. And I said, I'm going to take her, her happiness away. I'm going to take her money and take my kids. I had three kids, three daughters under the age of eight. I was going to show her. How dare she treat me this way after all these years of marriage, after everything I'd done for her. Just look around, dream houses and cars and golf courses and ski mountains and millions and millions of dollars. I gave her everything she ever wanted. And as I was thinking about what lawyer to call from law school or a friend, I looked over in the closet and there it was, that jacket. I get choked up thinking about it because I looked at that jacket and I realized the minute I saw it, I don't hate my father. I don't hate my best friend. And I absolutely don't hate my wife. I hated myself. I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a manipulator, an overseller, and a back-end seller. And I wasn't happy. Money didn't buy me love or happiness. And I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become. So I spent the entire day thinking about what values I used to live by and what values I was going to live by in order to recapture the day melter I wanted to be. The happy, healthy, 
wealthy and worthy Dave Meltzer, I had to figure out what I was doing to interfere with it. And on that day, I wrote down four values, gratitude, which would give me perspective, forgiveness, which would give me peace, accountability, which would give me control, and effective communication, which would give me inspiration. And from that day, 16 years ago, I have lived the best I can with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication in order to empower others, to empower others, to be happy, to make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun. Two years into my journey, yes, I lost everything, over $100 million, thought I'd lose my job and didn't, thought I'd lose my mom and I didn't. I had forgotten to take my mom's house out of my name and I had to go tell her not only I was bankrupt, but I lost her house and she had to move. It just turned out to be even a better lesson and a better situation, strengthening my relationship with my mom. But those four values combined with the five daily practices that I've evolved and still are evolving into teaching people, uh, ones in which I give for free every Friday, 22 years of training, giving back free training every Friday, giving my books and exercises and guides with the values and daily practices and anything I can to be of service or value to others. Ironically, I let money lead me the first half of my life. Money does not buy love or happiness. It does not lead you, but money will allow you to shop. And if you shop for the right things for the right reasons, it will follow you. Money has followed me to a point where I make more money than I ever have. I help more people than I ever have. And I'm happier than I've ever been. Thanks to my wife, my best friend, Rob, and my dad. Wow. That's powerful. That's extremely powerful. Uh, Dave, what I want to ask you is something you just said right there near the end. You know, you said essentially when you make money for the right reasons, money will follow you, right? Can you explain and elaborate on what you mean by that? Because your your story is powerful and sure. I appreciate that you've gone through both ends of the spectrum in essence of being at the top and being at the bottom. So I'm very curious to hear your sp- perspective on what that means. Yeah, I can give an example to best illustrate what I mean by that. And it won't be the example everybody thinks about. I'm going to give two actually. So I uh, spoke at Beverly Hills High School when I was CEO of Samsung. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have uh, my my niece uh, and nephew went there. And, and at that time, I was living in the world of just enough. So I owned a Ferrari and uh, things like Ferraris I owned, a, a lot of different things like Ferraris. And so I go to the school and I park my Ferrari in the very front of the school in the legal parking place. And I go in to speak. And I get on stage and I talk about, you know, what I thought was inspiring, how to make money, you know, how to get what you want in life and all of these motivational ideas. And, you know, afterwards, I think everybody loved me, you know, and I'm getting in my Ferrari right in front of the school and I hear some kid go, yeah, there's that asshole with the Ferrari. I drove home to San Diego from Beverly Hills with tears in my eyes it bothered me so much that some kid thought I was an asshole because of what I bought, you know, and years later I was uh, running the most notable sports marketing company with hall of fame quarterback, Warren moon. And they invited me back 
and I came back to be the keynote speaker with Larry King. And uh, it was amazing, amazing high school. But I drove a Chevy Volt uh, to, to the speech. I parked it in a normal parking spot where I had to walk a fair amount of way to get there. I do the keynote on gratitude and forgiveness and accountability and effective communication. I talk about money following you. I talk about being an intelligent follower, uh, which is my definition of a leader. I talk mostly about gratitude and to say thank you before you went to bed and when you woke up and the coherence of gratitude to remember to say thank you and to say thank you and the power of thank you to find the light, the love and the lessons that gives you the perspective in everything. And I walked off stage. I couldn't get off stage because so many kids wanted to talk to me. They wanted me to sign my book. They wanted me to do of all those things. And as I was walking away, almost to where I would have been illegally parked in my Ferrari, I heard some kids say, hey, there goes the gratitude guy. That's what I mean by buying the right things for the right reasons. The second example is someone that I mentor, a financial guy named Tay Sweat. He's a younger inner city minority kid who, you know, helps others with financial advice. And I was mentoring him and he told me he was so excited. He bought a Lambo. And I have to tell you, I was so disappointed. I was like, Tay, man, aren't you listening to me? Aren't you learning from me? I'm telling you, man, you got to buy the right things for the right reasons. You can't buy things you don't need to impress people you don't like. What are you doing? Said Mr. Meltzer, I am doing what you taught me to do. I said, what are you talking about? I said, you know where I'm from. When a guy like me drives around my neighborhood with a Lambo, everybody asks him, what do you do, man? Are you an athlete? Are you an entertainer? Are you in movies? Are you a DJ? What do you do, man? How'd you get that car? And I tell every kid that asks me, I read books and I help people. I bought this car for a reason. It's the right reason. And I was good with that. And I thanked him for teaching me a lesson about buying the things for the right reason. If money does not buy love or happiness, but I promise you, it allows you to shop. And if you shop for the things for the right reasons, It'll make you extremely happy. The more you receive, the more you can give. With the intention of giving, all peace and prosperity will come to you and others. You'll be able to empower others with the money you receive. It will follow those who lead as intelligent followers. I I really appreciate that. And that hit home. And, you know, I, I sat down and I was actually reading through your book, Connected to Goodness, which a phenomenal read. I, I really have to say there, there was a part in the book where you actually start to speak a little bit about this idea of the quantum physics that we're all so interconnected. And I, I had a moment, man. I was sitting on the couch and I really just was like, whoa. And something that came to mind and you, you basically said the universe doesn't necessarily see size, right? It doesn't see big nor small. And essentially the act of kindness, right? The acts of good that we put out it's not differentiated by, hey, you must do large acts of kindness and large acts of kindness are better than small acts of kindness. Can you speak on that? Because that was such a, you know, a profound moment, at least for myself, where I think sometimes we have it in our minds that we have to go out and we have to do these grand acts in order to, you know, turn on the universal cogwheel of good. Yeah, I think it's the aggregate effect of all activity, all action. And 
you know, doing good deeds or, or kind thoughts or kind deeds aggregate on themselves. So in actuality, you create more resistance if you want to do something uh, that is bigger because big doesn't just happen. You don't get out of your mom's stomach at six foot nine, right? You grow with an aggregate effect of the nutrition, the water, the sleep, and the air that you intake day by day by day. Everything that I do works within the conscious continuum of the conscious to the subconscious to the unconscious, your quantum being, your unconscious competency, your genetic, your inherent energetic and genetic inheritance that creates your code. And the code doesn't just change because of one thing. And so I you know, always say two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday, right? Some people say two minutes a day, that's small. Two hours on a Saturday, that's long. No, two minutes a day uh, will aggregate upon itself. So good deeds will aggregate on themselves. And although you may only smile at people every day, they'll aggregate on one another. And pretty soon, all of those people that you smiled at and you had, as Dennis Waitley says, right, planting seeds under trees you never sit under. As you plant seeds every single day, a forest grows around you, a forest that provides oxygen and water. A forest that provides nutrients and air, uh, right? All these different things, a shade and it wood, all these things, simply by every day planting seeds. Deeds are seeds. We want to plant as many seeds as possible. You don't have to go and plant a redwood out there as a deed. You can go ahead and plant seeds every day, smile at people, help them across the street, open a door. Find open minds and ask them, how can I be of service or value? You know, I like to teach everybody the what, the who, the how, the now to apply your why. I give out these five daily practices all the time. I'll give your entire community that book there. I will sign it and send it and pay for shipping. They just got to email me. You'll put it in the notes, david at dmelzer.com. I'll send everybody the practices, the books. I'm on this mission to teach you to plant seeds. Seeds are deeds, not trees, seeds. So plant as many good deeds as you can. And I promise they'll grow into the oaks. You'll be known for someone that has extraordinary, large, humongous deeds that they've done, but they only aggregate by planting seeds. I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, it's something that is felt by you. It's something that, you know, it resonates through social media, through the people that you interact with. Um, and it's something that I think is a little counterintuitive, which I'm grateful that you're speaking about it here on the platform, because I know where I was raised, the common perception is that individuals that reach a certain level of success got so by being selfish. And you're the absolute opposite of that from what I see from what other people tell me, like just from the things that reverberate into the world. I, I appreciate that big time. So in the book, again, connected to goodness, you actually, you spoke very much about this idea of how important it is to go back and get connected to goodness, get connected to source, almost to the point where I was just like, he's really speaking about like, he keeps coming back and hitting this point. It's almost like if I don't do this first, the other efforts I will put will almost be in vain. I'll be spinning my wheels in mud. So can you talk about why you emphasize the, you know, the topic or the principle of getting reconnected to goodness? Yeah. So what I really want to do is remind, recollect, and remember. 
And it's based off of faith, non-religious, non-spiritual, non-emotional, non-philosophical, of faith that I have that everyone should have, regardless of your religion, your philosophy, your spirituality, or your emotional attachment. The philosophy and faith that, that I have that's applicable to all is that there's something bigger than you. An omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, call it what you want, God, Muhammad, Jesus, Buddha, Joseph Smith, I don't care. But if you believe there's something bigger than you, an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves you more than your mom loves you, then you can understand that we're always connected to and through goodness. That most people live their lives like I lived the first half of my life, as you can tell by that book, right? I live my life trying to go get healthy, going to get wealthy, going to get happy, going to get worthiness. Instead, what I realized after losing everything, after radical humility set in, not ignorant arrogance, but ignorant humility that I don't know what I don't know. I don't take myself seriously. I do my best. I learn lessons and I have fun. I receive as much as I can can for one purpose, to give it away. But what I know is I have remembered myself. I have reminded myself. I have recollected myself with the source, knowing that I am, I am happy. I am healthy. I am worthy. I am wealthy. All I got to do is figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. Get connected to goodness by clearing the interference between you and the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source. Understand that you have more power and light inside of you, more than enough to literally light up all of Manhattan. And what are you doing to interfere with it? Are you not nutrient yourself well enough? Are you not hydrating yourself well enough? Are you not breathing properly? Are you not sleeping properly? What are you doing to interfere with your higher self? The one that you have been reminded remembered and recollected to and through by connecting to goodness, by clearing the interference, not going out and connecting, but clearing the interference is the connection to goodness. Okay. I I really hope people were listening to that because what you just said, and hopefully like someone's really understanding, like you just said, you're not going out to go and connect. It's clear. In other words, we're already connected. In other words, you already have it in you each and every individual it's there's some sort of blockage so it's not like you need to go out and get it somewhere it's not out there in the world you simply have some clutter over it and the job it sounds like is to figure out how to declutter and maybe figure out what that clutter is for each as an individual which sounds yeah, hold, like hold, hold that book up for a second i just want to show what, what you're saying what's the title say right connected there. to goodness. connected right is not connect You're connected to goodness and you said it right there. And it's so important, you know, and I created a way people say, this is great. How do I do it? Let let me tell you how you do it. You got to practice one thing, identify what's interfering with it. And I'll tell you what interferes with it. There's needs of the ego edging goodness out of your life. There's needs of the ego creating the interference between you and what you're already connected to and through. So I I build a repository to identify what am I doing to interfere with my goodness, my greatness, my higher self. One, the need to be right. Think about how much time, emotion, value, and money is wasted between people with the need to be right. 
How about a need to be offended? I wish I could feed the world as fast as with food that I could with offense. Everybody be fat. Uh, it's so easy to be offended. How about a need to be separate? Feel that we're different. You and I, there's a separation. You could pick 16 different ways we're separate. I only see one way that we're not, right? I see one way that we're, we're not, and that's the higher way. You know, we look different. We, we feel different. We see different. We hear different. We smell different. We're different ages, different religions, different colors, different sizes, different fur, different whatever. But I see only one thing. We are the same. We are the same because I don't have a need to be separate. I have no need to be inferior, no need to be superior, no need to be angry, upset, frustrated, guilty, resentful, no need for all of those things. Because guess what? Those just interfere with the connectedness between goodness. And if I can identify, only spend minutes and moments in those ego-based consciousness of separate feelings of anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty, resentful, any of those feelings that we have of inferiority or superiority. If I can spend minutes and moments, then I am clearing that interference by stopping. See, most people want to resist it. Not me. When I identify a need to be offended or a need to be right or a need to feel superior or inferior, I don't try to go over it, under it, through it, around it, or resist it. I simply just stop. I stop and breathe through my nose and out through my mouth, reminding, recollecting, and remembering what I'm connected to and through, finding my center, my peace, my higher self, and then rolling in the right direction at ease, not at dis-ease not at dis-ease. And may everybody remember when you're in ego-based consciousness with those needs of the ego, your mind, your body, and your soul are on fire. What do you do when you're on fire? You stop, you drop, and you roll. Look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but you all asked for it and it's finally here. We finally created a space for us to come together every day and have these kinds of conversations. Not just be a fly on the wall and listen, but actually be in the room talking to one another, throwing ideas back and forth about mindset, business, entrepreneurship, growth, the books we're reading, the conferences we're going to, the conferences we're hosting, everything under the sun that has to do with entrepreneurship. You name it, we're talking about it. That's right, morningmindsetcoffee.com. Every day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Eastern, we're getting together with entrepreneurs from all over the world so that we can grow together. You heard it a million times over. Your network is your net worth. So for $1, you can get into a room that will change your life. What are you waiting for? MorningMindsetCoffee.com. I'll see you in the morning. Now back to the episode. Wow. I, I like that a lot. Actually, that's really, that's powerful. Because you, as you even spoke just now, you gave me a mental visual of just grabbing onto a lifeline that's already been there. It's been there connected to us the entire time. We just have been looking in the wrong direction. So you offer a free weekly live training, right? And it's called the road to revenue and happiness. And like you said, you've been doing this for over 20 years. I think 22 years now is what you said. What, like, what inspired that? Three questions with this. What inspired that? Really? How are you finding the energy to keep doing that? Because it can be a lot when you're pouring into people. And just the way you poured into me, I'm like, if you're doing this for people every single week, and I imagine there's a lot of people that come in that it must be draining. So how are you finding sustainability in this? And yeah, like, what can you tell me more about this? Because I, sure. I want to know more. Well, initially, I started it for sales training. 
right? It was the road to revenue and happiness according to money, right? I wanted people to learn how to appreciate what they have, to expand it, give it away, but ask for more. See, I think a lot of people have a problem with receiving, not giving or appreciating. They have a problem receiving. And if you don't receive more, the expanded vessel that you've created through your appreciation and what I call acknowledgement by giving it away, acquiring the knowledge of what you have by giving it away, losing it, getting it manipulated or stolen even from you, you're still acknowledging what you have. But if you don't ask for more, all of that appreciation dissolves, dissipates, and disappears until you become needy of others. You can't even take care of yourself. So I want to teach people initially uh, over 22 years ago on how to receive, how to make money, uh, how to help people with the money and have fun. But it was mostly through sales. Uh, and that's because the people that I was around wanted to learn about sales. And uh, it eventually, I, I used to buy everybody lunch. It was Friday lunch, no matter what company I was with, Lee Steinberg, Sports One Marketing, did not matter. Uh, and then I started doing, people started flying in for it. I had to have lunch for a hundred, then 200. It was very expensive to do. I, the, the drain part, by the way, I got I to mention this. People ask me all the time, how do you do it every day? Not just every Friday, right? I, I do this stuff every day. I do a podcast 10 a week. So that's more than one a day. I have one of the top podcasts in the world. I just got a beautiful list from Chartable that I'm impacting more people than almost everyone with over 2 million podcasts out there, right? One of the top ones in the world. Of, and they're like, how do you do it? Because I don't need it, right? I, all I do differently than most people is I've cleared the energy, the interference from the energy. I'm not getting energy. I'm clearing the interference from all that energy. So that's not a problem. But where we've evolved, when COVID hit, I took it virtual. So not only am I saving all the money on lunch, I'm still looking for a lunch sponsor, though. I got Taco Bell and Blaze Pizza interested right now <laughs> that I can give a free lunch to everybody that shows up now. I do have over 63,000 people a week registered. Over 60, that's a far cry from the three people I trained the first time. <laughs> uh, and so it's a lot cheaper. Um, so over 63,000 and I do it. I have a webinar you register for. I do it on IG, TikTok, LinkedIn, almost every platform. If people ask me, how do you do it on all those platforms? It's not a software. It's literally like Sanford and Son. I got a laptop. I got two arms. I got another phone. I do everything all at once. It's, you know, very organic. And uh, the audio is great, but you got to come and see it because it's a lot of fun. Uh, but it's evolved. I do everything from, you know, uh, I've done ultimate ego training. I've done mommy issue training. I've done the perfect pitch training. I've done how to flip car training. I, I do anything on Friday now. And uh, this this week, I'm doing BYOQ, you bring the questions, I'll bring the answers. So I do hot seat coaching training. Uh, it's a lot of fun. But I do this stuff every day. I do interviews every day. Sometimes, believe it or not, because I have a 520 rule, five-minute phone calls. I'm willing to give anybody on earth five minutes of my time and 20-minute meetings. And I usually, now I've made an exception for you, brother, but I usually only do 20-minute interviews. Uh, and I will make an exception if I find that the time will be utilized effectively for a community I care about. So um, I have exceptions to all my rules because I'm human, right? I prioritize things by my health, my family, and the activity I get paid for. Those are my non-negotiables. And I'm a student of my calendar. I study time every day. 
Time is the interval between cause and effect. The relativity of time is determined by where you put attention and intention. There's five levels of intention that effectuate the speed in which the effect or the outcomes will happen in your life. My outcomes are always better because I have faith that God's promoting and protecting me at all times, not punishing me. So I may think what I want today, but I know better is coming. It's a different mindset that most people have, a different heart set and a different handset. All of these things are assimilate, assimilate together and are supplementary and synergistic to the cause and effect or the time or the interval between the cause and effect. I absolutely love that. And now it makes a lot of sense how, just like listening to how your your energy even picked up as you started speaking about this, like you are clearly passionate about this, clearly genuine about this. You are helping a lot of people, myself included, the people that I have on Instagram, the people that are going to watch this for time and time again. I know that essentially I want them all to enter into your training because you genuinely, you practice what you preach and it's felt like, I I don't know how else to explain it, but people need to experience it. So feeling is the fifth level of intention, right? You can do the right things. You can say the right things. You can think the right things. You can even believe the right things. But if you don't feel it, like Maya Angelou said, right, people aren't going to remember what you are, who you said, what you said, what you did. They'll remember how they felt. And so feelings is the highest level of intention. Attention plus intention equals the coincidences of our life. That's how we manifest things. That's how we utilize what I call the mathematical equation of luck. Attention, what you focus in on, and the five levels of intention, what you do say, think, believe, and feel, will create the coincidences or better coincidences than you even want. I love that. And now, and again, I first off, David, I got to say again, thank you so much for the time. I really do appreciate it because to me, time is the most important thing. It's the most precious thing you can give. There is nothing more valuable to me than time, attention, and energy. So I appreciate that. I want to say we've seen this trend with you where it's a, a build over time. Things build over time. I want to talk about something you brought up before when you were speaking with Ed and Milet, which was the, the nth power, right? Like things to the nth power, because I like, I preach this and I work at practicing this. And I, you know, when I don't do this, I'm upset with myself. When I do do this, the results are amazing. Can you share with everybody what the heck that means, what I'm talking about right now? Yeah. So the exponentiality of the conscious, subconscious and unconscious continuum I'll use a good example of a pond, right? And so when we understand that if we do the same things, that we become more efficient, effective, and statistically successful in them, right? Read James Clear, Atomic Habits. Read any Einstein compound interest, the rule of 72. Things, good behaviors and bad behaviors aggregate on themselves. And so if I told you, though, um, that we had a pond and it had one lily pad in there. And I said, look, if you nourish this lily pad every year, the number of lily pads will double. Well, it's funny because this is how things happen in life. What happens is it goes from one to two, two to four, right? Four to eight. 18 years into it, you've been nourishing these lilies every day. 18 years of 20. Most people have already quit. Why? Because only 25% of the lily pond's full. Only 25%. You're thinking, I've been doing this 
every day for 18 years. Every day. And I'm only 25. I'm going to quit. Everyone's laughing at you going, I told you you wasted 18 years of your life. You should change, right? This is what happens to people. They don't understand exponentiality. So they quit. Some people do hang on about 1%, about 99% of the people somewhere between year two and year 18 will quit. Year 19 comes. This is the saddest year for me, year 19. Year nine, I could say period of time 19 because it, it could speed up even for you. You know, it could take a year and then 11 months, then 10 months, nine months because it's exponential. It aggregates on itself. But here's what's so interesting. 19 years into it, all the voices get really strong inside your own head. Why am I doing this? It's been 19 years. I'm only 50% of the way there, right? Because it doubled from 25% to 50. I'm, I'm going to quit. Everyone's on laughing at you. I told you you couldn't do it. I told you you're thinking about what's missing, what you don't have, what other people think, not what you believe, not what you've been doing, saying, thinking, believing, or feeling. But it's the saddest thing that 19th year, because of the 1% that hang on, 99% of the 1% quit. Leaving the 1% of the 1% what? In the 20th year to get to 100% of the way there. And in the 21st year to get to 200% of the way there. And in the 22nd year to get to 400% of the way there. And that's when everyone's like, you're so lucky. I knew you could do it. You're amazing. Now, here's the thing about quitting. There's a zero effect. So if you're trying to create this aggregate effect, day one, you'll be X to the zero, one. Day two, X to the first in some degree then X to the second in some degree, X to the third in some degree, X to the fourth in some degree, X in the fifth. So here's what happens to people is they end up quitting or zeroing out. I see this in dieting all the time. Let's take something in a shorter time frame. People go on a 30-day diet. Eight days, perfect. Ninth day, they go to In-N-Out Burger. They start over. X to the first, X to the second. And 10 more days into it, they get some cream pie. X to the first, X, it starts over again, right? X to the zero, X to the first, X to the second. So they, they then maybe, you know, eat some French fries. So what happens after 30 days? Every time they broke the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential, it went to X to the zero. So what happens after 30 days of dieting if you don't stick to the aggregate effect? Well, you stand on the scale and you're either the same weight you may have lost a little determinative upon how many times you went to X of the zero and to what degree. And most of the time, a lot of people have gained weight because they had to start over. But in their mindset, just like the person that went 18 years, in their mindset, they've done everything that they could, right? It feels like they've done, th- no, you zeroed yourself out. And I tell this to people all the time, extra mile is crowded. Why? Because most people go the extra mile every once in a while. It takes the person that can go extra mile every day to reach where I like to play. If you go the extra mile every day, you will go where I like to play, which is called the empty mile. Because very few people can enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of their potential, go the extra mile every day and play in the empty mile because there's no one there. And you wonder why there's no resistance or interference to what you want, why things come so rapidly and accurately, because nobody's there. 
and you have created no resistance or interference to it. It's already done. It fits right into the connected to goodness that I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. And since I know that I'm doing it every day to make sure that I'm playing in the empty mile. Don't live in the extra mile, live in the empty mile. Don't go the extra mile every once in a while. Go it every day. Don't create resistance, void shortages and obstacles. Don't lie to yourself. Stay consistent and persistent and you'll get the aggregate effect, the exponential growth that Ed and I have lived through and to and still do. I, I love that. You know, and essentially the way I translate that mentally is do the work, yeah. right? Like you, you have to do the work. You've got to consistently do the work. And what I think is really interesting is you spoke about how you, when you have your interns, right? You actually pass on a couple of parting principles to them. And one of those parting principles that I I really enjoyed, and it falls in line with what you're saying here is don't be afraid to essentially show up early and to, to put in the work, put in the hours, right? Because that's the extra mile. That's the part that no one else is doing. Yeah. It's so amazing how many times by extra mile every day goes so far, you know, how many times have you heard, I was the first one in and the last one to leave. LeBron James, first one in, last one to leave. George Brett, first one in, last to, to leave. First one in, last to leave. Why is that? Because they're going the extra mile every day. And sooner or later, you may not have, remember, your skills and knowledge, by the way, are only your basement. Some people are born with greater skills and knowledge. So LeBron James basketball basement is far higher than my basketball basement. But why is he one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time? Because his desire is his potential. Mm -hmm. And his desire can take him higher because his skills and knowledge, his basement is higher. You know, take a Ryan Leaf who had extraordinary basement. His skills and knowledge were that of a starting quarterback in the NFL. You don't just get there. But he didn't have the desire of a LeBron James or a Drew Brees or a Peyton Manning in order to effectuate his potential your skills and knowledge are your basement that aggregate extra mile every day is your potential your potential is determined not just by providing value but delivering it well every day if you can do that provide value deliver it well every day that's where your potential lies i love that so David, I want to be respectful of your time. I have three final questions that I want to ask. One of them is special. I actually don't ever ask this question. The other two are my favorite questions to ask at the end of every show. So this one is especially for you because of the, you lived a pretty, you still live, you're not gone. You still yeah. live an interesting life and it puts you into a lot of different rooms. I call them campfires, right? The campfire effect around a lot of different people. And you believe in this ability to, or you believe in this principle of going and giving value, right? Always being able to figure out what a person needs and provide value. And I see a lot of people, especially the younger generation, myself included, we know we want to provide value. And I think one of the worst things to ask always is like, hey, what can I do for you? Because now I'm asking somebody to think of a job, right? I'm asking them to stop what they're doing, figure out something for me. They don't even know what I'm capable of. So for yourself, right? When you step into a room and maybe you're meeting people you don't know yet, how are you figuring out how to provide value for new individuals? Is it something along the lines of maybe I wait and I observe a little while longer until I can figure out where I see a need so I can fill a need? 
or is there some other magic ninja trick we don't know about? There's a template that I'll send everyone. David at dmelter.com. This is not magic. It's prag magic. Uh, prag magic is more pragmatic of inspired uh, action of evolutionary knowledge. Let me explain what happens. First of all, know your room. So number one rule of being in a room is if you're in a room and you're the smartest one in that room, you're in the wrong room. So get out. Two, the only rooms I want to be in are open-minded rooms because they're rooms for improvement. That's the room I always want to be in. I want, don't want to be the smartest one in the room and I want to be in the room for improvement. Uh, first indicator of figuring this out is to find the open minds. Run away from the closed mind. Techniques I'll give to everyone. Tell a joke. Make fun of someone. Smile. Ask a question how you are. It should only take you minutes or moments to determine if someone has a open mind at this time. Remember, some people have more closed mind more of the time. Some people have more open minds most of the time. Find out if it's that time that they have an open mind. If you find that someone has an open mind, like I could tease you right now to figure out real quickly, I could say, hey, did you buy that shirt on sale? And if you laugh, I could tell you have an open mind. Marlon has an open mind. So now I'm going, okay, open mind. I'm safe to go ahead with my next question. Marlon, what, what do you do? What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? Would it help you if? See, much more subtle than how can I be of service in putting the impetus on you? I'm simply asking open mind. This falls into where we started the interview, being more interested than interesting. Everyone's seen the Dosaki's guy, world's most interesting man. Not Dave Meltzer. I'm the world's most interested man. I want a commercial of Dave Meltzer someday saying, Dave Meltzer asked Marlon a hundred open-ended questions just to see how he could be of service or value to Marvin and Marlon. And when I find out, how I can be of service or value by asking open-ended questions, leading it down a path of what you like and don't like to figure out how I can be of service or value. When I find that out, now there's just one transition. Do you know anyone that can help me? What am I doing? Not only am I making sure I'm in the right room, the room of improvement, but I am classifying everyone with open minds as either a sponsor or a power sponsor of each other. Are we sponsors of each other? Do we know people that can help each other? Or are we power sponsors of each other? We can help each other and we know who can help us. This is an aggregate exponential pipeline that grows a network, a community that keeps on growing like Noah's Ark, two by two by two by two, until we end up with millions by millions. This is how I'm going to empower over a billion people to be happy by finding the rooms of improvement, by finding the open minds, by being more interested than interesting, by asking open-ended questions to see how I could be of service or value, and finally transition into the receiving end by asking, do you know anyone that can help me? leaving me only with open-minded sponsors and power sponsors in my life. Now wonder I make so much money and help so many people and have so much fun. It's math. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is an amazing formula. You just changed a lot of people's lives or more than you've already changed. The people that are coming from my platform, you just changed their lives. That is fantastic. So now I'm a big reader. I'm constantly digging into books. Your book, phenomenal, Connected to Goodness, highly recommended. I will be picking up the other two books as well. And I want to know for yourself, right? Because when I read, I get these paradigm shifts. I start to think a little bit differently. Can you name one, no more than two books that for yourself were total paradigm shifts? After you read them, your mind never quite went back to being the same. Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer, Course in Miracles. 
those are the two. I love that. Those are actually the first two, first time those two were mentioned on this podcast. So I'm sure everyone says think and grow rich or, you know, rich dad, poor dad, but no power of intention and course in miracles. I love that. And then my final question, this one's one of my favorite questions. And hopefully one day we will put together a book on the answers because I've gotten some really awesome answers, which is I want you to imagine tomorrow, David, that you wake up and you are a blank slate. Now, as you're waking up, you don't remember anything. You don't remember the ups, the downs. You don't remember any of the people you've helped, any of the lessons you've learned, the people you've spoken with, the relationships. It's all gone. Now, you're not scared. You're not freaking out. It's not a Saw movie, right? But you're blinking your eyes and you're coming to consciousness. And as this happens, you start to have a thought. And the thought that comes to you, for whatever reason, you accept it as truth. You just fully run with it. There is no doubt. There is no question about it. And this thought begins the foundation of everything else to come. What would you ideally like this thought to be? Ask for help. Hmm. I like that. Let that sink in. There's a lot of kindness and humility that lies into the activity of asking for help. Those who ask for help are radically kind and radically humble, but are connected to and through the greatest source and all else. That's the thought that it would go through my mind. Wow. That is the first time I've had that answer. So I appreciate that immensely. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. For the people that want to get connected with you, if they're not already connected to you, how can they best find you? Two ways. Email me directly. I answer all my own emails. David at dmeltzer.com. Books, exercise, guides are free. I will sign it, send it to you, pay for shipping. You know, it's, it's not a matter of money. David at dmeltzer.com. And if you forget my email, David at dmeltzer.com, just remember my name. I'm blessed to be well-known, David Meltzer. Google me. Uh, so David Meltzer or David at dmeltzer.com. Marlon, this was an exceptional interview. What an incredible person you are. I feel as if you're one of the Meltzer thousands, empowering others to empower others to be happy. Please let's do more together and let me know how I can be of service. Thank you. Absolutely. David, you enjoy the rest of the day and I appreciate your time. You got it, brother. Take care. Take care. Peace. Okay, guys, so I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.